0: Hello friends, welcome to episode 829 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday evening into Monday morning, and today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off on your next order with Built Bar. Today's show is another solo one with me to start the week off with some audio from Scalabissier and DeAndre Hunter, as well as a, a sort of a mailbag question slash fake trade that I want to talk about at the end of the podcast. But first, uh, basically all is quiet on the Hawks' front with regard to uh, news. But alas, there we go. I know the team sort of had Saturday totally off, and they didn't have any media availability on Sunday, although they did actually practice on Sunday. We did hear from two players, as as I said before, on Friday afternoon in Scal and Hunter, so uh, some audio coming to you in a second. In fact, we'll start with Scalabissier, yeah, who made, I guess, the only thing that was like close to news on Friday. It was not necessarily news, but certainly turning in that direction with with some comments that he made about um, sort of wanting to stay in Atlanta, et cetera, et cetera. So, first with Scal, we will start with the first question that he was asked that I, uh, at least, that I had recorded, um, and it was about the fact that he's not, not finally healthy and sort of what the process was like getting back to full health after a long time absence.
1: Uh, for me, it was just about you know, getting my strength back in my legs. And, you know, I think the uh, strength conditioning staff and Chelsea they did a really good job over the break. You know, we had, we couldn't do much, but we had those FaceTime workouts and did a really good job at staying on me, you know, every, pretty much every week, you know, being really consistent about uh, the work that I was putting in. And by the time I got back to the facility, uh, you know, I was on a good path on, as far as like getting back on the court. So uh in the past couple of days i've been feeling really well like really good on the court it's been you know i'm pretty satisfied with you know the work that we've done and uh you know uh i don't know exactly what day i was you know 100% healthy but it's been it's just been over time a process for me uh just you know being consistent with everything really
0: LeBissier is, of course, the only free agent participating in the minicamp for the Hawks. He is a restricted free agent. If they want him to be, they have to offer him a qualifying offer, but he certainly can be RFA eligible if the Hawks want to make him so. Um, but regardless, it's sort of good backdrop to sort of consider what's going on there. But obviously, he was asked later if he had any limitations. Um, he said no, basically, that he's been full go, five on five, et cetera. That was echoed by Lloyd Pierce earlier and in, in the week last week. So um, all indications are positive on Scal's health status. But again, he is the only free agent that was sort of uh, in. I guess that has been in camp with the Hawks. And Travis White made the point to point out that only is one. So with that as the backdrop, he was sort of asked about the choice to participate and why that was important to him.
1: Just to show that you know I'm ready to go. I, I can play. You know I'm ready to play. Uh, it's been a. Little, uh, I've been out since December. So uh, and I've been doing rehab with the team that whole time. So uh, for me, I just wanted to show that hey, I'm ready to go. Uh, I'm ready to play. And, uh, you know, I feel good. I just wanted to play basketball. It's been a long time since I played. So, uh, you know, is you know, the best, I think the best way to get back out there playing is against NBA competition. So I was going to get that here and uh, in a organized setting. So I just wanted to get out there and play. So.
0: As you heard there, basically he's been ready to go the entire time. Uh, we most of this off time. That, that, that's that's obviously good to hear, and the, sort of the best way I would certainly agree with him to get back into your full time playing shape is to play against NBA player. So it makes a lot of sense that he would be there. Of course, there's been a lot of questions about you know whether he'll be around long term. We'll get to some audio about that in a second. But first, he was also asked about the toughest part about rehabbing the injury that sidelined him during last season, sort of how his journey has been getting back to this point.
1: The toughest part was just the routine, the everyday routine, it was kind of, you know, sometimes it gets boring, you know, like it's like the same thing going over, going over the same thing every single day, I guess, repetitive at times. But I think the one thing that helped me, you know, personally, I'm a, I, I'm, I'm a man of God. My faith uh, is what leads me in everything that I do. So uh, I think that that was, that's what helped me through it, you know, because sometimes when going through rehab like that, you know, looking at the, you know, the, you, you try to focus on the big picture and not the now, uh, because, uh, you know, th- you try to think about the big picture and not, you know, the struggle that you're doing going through now. So that that really helped me, you know, just focusing on uh, my faith in uh, Jesus Christ. And, you know, that, that really uh, helped me through everything. And obviously, I had like a good crew around me, you know, who stayed on me because I didn't need that accountability, because if I was trying to do it by myself, it would not have been the same. So,
0: so big picture, obviously, you know, LeBissier Le is not someone who has accomplished a heck of a lot in the NBA, so people might be wondering, in fact, I got a couple questions about this, like why it's such a big deal. It's not really that huge of a deal that LeBissier has been around for the Hawks, but Again, he's, only, he's the only free agent that's participating. And also, it's worth noting that LeBissier was a first-round pick. Um, he was actually a former like top three high school prospect in his class. Like, he was a big, big deal before he got to Kentucky. Wasn't great there, but certainly a guy that has a lot of talent, a lot of physical ability, um, some natural uh, touch and stuff like that that you would be intrigued by, in a system that maybe, maybe highlights him in the future. So with that in mind, uh, he, he was sort of asked about how he sees himself fitting with the Hawks if he ends up sticking around beyond the summer.
1: Uh, for me, just uh, from my past experiences, I've been on young teams before. I've been on uh, a winning team before, as far as Portland goes. Uh, and I really believe that, that I can help the team. You know, whatever they need me to do, I'll be there to do it. You know, whether I, you know if uh, they decide to resign me. But I really think that I can help, you know, on and off the court, in know, locker room, uh, just leading by example, really. You know, it's a really young team, and uh, I think we can get any help we can get, so...
0: Almost immediately after that, he was uh, followed up on with regard to whether he was hopeful to be back in Atlanta specifically.
1: Oh, yeah, I would love to be here. I would love to be here. You know, obviously, if I was not interested in being here, I wouldn't be here, you know, doing training camp. You know, I could have been uh, just working out somewhere else and, you know, not in a bubble setting. So I'm very interested in being here uh, and we'll see
0: obviously well, did say after that that he did not know anything definitive about discussions about him returning, which is part of the course. Um, it's still this dead period right now where agents and teams are not supposed to be talking necessarily. I'm sure the Hawks have had some sort of backroom deal or at least discussions there. Um, and honestly, you know, nothing can be formalized. It would be interesting to see if they offer him the qualifying offer. I would not do that. It's more than I would want to pay him with that said I think you know the Hawks traded for him for a reason I'm sure they went out and targeted him uh, he is a guy who's definitely interesting in terms of the long term so it would not surprise anyone around the team I'm sure if they were to bring him back same on the A's end obviously if he gets more money elsewhere you got to let him go but at the same time uh, you know the Hawks could use someone with his skill set sort of a combo big I think he's more of a four more of a five than a four I should say but someone who does have some skill and if he stretches himself out as a shooter that'd be something that would be interesting and the Hawks have been had some pretty good track record of success with bigs and shooting so we'll see if that happens in the future but I wanted to play all that all that for you. Lavissier is not the most high profile guy in the world. I understand that, but someone who could be a part of this team next year and uh, he was talking to the media. So there you go on that. Okay, before we get to DeAndre Hunter and some other stuff on the podcast, a word from our sponsors on today's show. The first one is Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I've told you in the past how much I really love the original Built Bar flavors, but now there are 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections, like my personal favorite cookies and cream, as well as caramel brownie and lemon almond cheesecake. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and importantly, they're all soft and easy to chew. And from there, I always want to point out that Built Bars are fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And Built Bar is even great for people on the keto diet. Go to Biltbar.com. Right now, use the promo code locked on. When you do that, you'll get $10 off on your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is Biltbar.com. Promo code locked on for $10 off your next order. Check it out at Biltbar.com. Today's show is also brought to you by the good folks at DoorDash. You want Chinese food, they want pizza, and somebody else is craving dessert. But fortunately, there's something for everybody on DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now right to your door. And ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery feature as DoorDash aims to keep communities safe. DoorDash has over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and Puerto Rico. You can support your local go-to, go-to restaurants or choose from your favorite national chains. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fee on their first order of $15 or more when downloading the DoorDash app Enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's $5 off and zero delivery fee on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store right now and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, and with Obisie out of the way, we'll get to DeAndre Hunter, who also spoke to the media on Friday afternoon. DeAndre, of course, is a more high-profile player, but uh, not a guy who had a, a lot of sort of you know, breaking news coming into mini camp, but still a lot to talk about. He was asked, first, what he's been looking to improve on and what he's looking to be better at during his second season on the offensive end of the floor, and this is what he had to say about that.
2: Um, just being comfortable with the ball, uh, just being able to run the offense. Um, like I said, just being able to play out Trey uh, better. Um, like I said, being able to make plays for myself and, you know, uh, being able to initiate the office myself as well.
0: So obviously Hunter is not a huge sort of high usage player, but at the same time, it'd be beneficial if he could attack a little bit more. We saw a little bit of that as a rookie, but, uh, obviously you hear there that he's interested in doing a little bit more on the offensive end of the floor, which is not a huge surprise. He was also asked what he felt like he needed to improve on. Sorry. What do felt like he actually improved on during his rookie season? I thought it was an interesting answer as well.
2: Uh, I would have to say defender, uh, you know, when you first come here, you know, it's hard. You know, you got to learn to do different concept than in college and things like that. But um, I think just fighting over screens, you know, chasing off ball screens, just chasing dude off the of screens, period. Um, me and the coaches, we talked a lot. We watched film, wanted a lot. And I worked on it a lot. So I think throughout the season, I, de- I definitely got better at that. It's important to note that sort of the
0: reference and change there of concepts from college to pro on defense Sort of chasing screens and working around them in particular, but I've said this before. I said this a lot last year during the season, but I'll say it again now for anyone that's not sort of new listening to the podcast. And this is sort of a refresher on this. But I think Hunter's defensive stuff is very interesting to evaluate. Number one, I will say this: he was broadly disappointing defensively as a rookie. I will not dispute that by any means. At the same time, I think it's uh, sort of a lost thing to point out the transition between college and pro. You know, it's always big for everyone, but. DeAndre playing playing defense at Virginia is so much uh, so much different, I should say, than most even most college kids transition. Everyone has a transition from college to the pros on both ends of the floor, especially on defense. But Virginia's style is just so anti what the NBA does that he had more of a learning curve than maybe maybe even I saw and a lot of people saw, especially for an older guy that he was coming in. So that's important to point out. Still, he's not a huge chaos defender. Like he's not a huge blocks and steals guy. That's not great. You want more of that? Obviously, I think he definitely can give you more than he has. Anyway, it was pretty disappointing as a rookie. But I think year two is pretty big for him on defense. Frankly, I'm not worried personally about his defense too much. At the same time, I'm not sure it's like you know he was building some circles like baby Kawhi. That that that's not a thing. Uh, you know, Hunter. I think he's going to be a pretty good defender long-term, but not a guy who's going to be like this incredible lockdown guy, um, but he is big, he is physical, he is long. I think he's going to be pretty good, but it's not it's not a lock at this point in time, and uh, hearing him say that throughout sort of his progress, I think you could sort of note that. I think Glenn Willis from Peter Hughes has written about that during the season as well, sort of the progression for DeAndre's defense, but at the same time, it's something to certainly circle for next year and year two. Um, last thing I want to play for you with regard to DeAndre's answers was that he was actually asked about him and Cam Reddish, and sort of their partnership and being rookies and lottery picks together, and sort of what they, what they can both do uh, together to, in year two to sort of help the team and make their make the leap as they're trying to get into the playoffs next year.
2: I think we just need to be more aggressive as a as a duo. Um, you know, we were kind of past this year, if you I would say. So, um, just being more aggressive, I think we're both great two way players. We can score and can defend as well and I feel like we're just more aggressive on offense and defense. I feel like, you know, sky's the limit for us and this team.
0: So that's it for the audio from Hunter. I do want to point out one more thing. He was asked sort of what he wanted to get out of the cap. He said the same stuff that everybody else has been saying, team bonding. Uh, integrating click capella communication talks about how how competitive the environment's been in the mini bubble for the hawks he also said that Lloyd pierce has been trying to get him to be more vocal especially defensively that's a point of emphasis for him DeAndre is a very quiet guy by nature you can definitely tell that i think um and listening to him talk and you know talking to him, he's definitely not a guy who has nothing to say he does uh, he's pretty interesting to talk to sometimes but not someone who's like boisterous by any means so we'll uh see what he sort of looks like in that through that lens and i know that's not like none of that's hugely groundbreaking Um, audio from DeAndre Hunter, but people seem to enjoy these interviews and uh, obviously more to come, hopefully, um, in the next couple of days for the Hawks. No one's talked since Friday, so we'll see how that happens beginning beginning on Monday into the rest of the week, but hopefully you enjoyed a little bit more of that, sort of the uh, behind the curtain with the players. Okay, last thing on the podcast. I got a couple questions about this, so I wanted to go ahead and address it now. There was a mock draft from Jonathan Wasserman of Bleacher Report, one of the guys who's more who's most prominent. I think most of the time people talk about you know ESPN, the ESPN guys, and Sam Bassini, my good my good friend Sam Bassini from the Athletic, as sort of the two you know consensus uh, mock drafts with intel, et cetera. And I'm going go through that too. Those guys probably are the top two in terms of uh, you know industry in- industry level stuff. But Wasserman has good sources. He's been on this podcast before. Smart guy, does his homework, and uh, he put forth a mock. People got a lot of uh, attention. Out of Bleacher Report is, of course, very popular, so it's got a lot of uh, got a lot of looks. People were asking me about it, so I'm going to go ahead and address it now. Um, basically, he proposed a trade in his mock draft this week, which I'm sure you can find on the internet by googling Jonathan Wasserman Bleacher Report. And again, shouts to John for uh, doing a, a good job. Um, basically, it's the Hawks trading with the Kings. The Hawks trading number six, number fifty, the second round pick this year, and Kevin Herter in exchange for number twelve and Buddy Heald. So, broadly speaking, this is a bad deal for the Hawks, in my opinion. That's the sort of the top-line thought. Bad deal for the Hawks, I would not do it. Now, I'll dig down a little bit now. Again, I wouldn't make too much of this. It's a mock draft. As someone who does mock drafts over at Dime, they are difficult, especially if you try to you know, do trades. I don't even try to do trades. They're very hard to put together. So, I have sympathy here. Um, not Nothing that you're going to do is going to please everybody. I totally understand that. Um, again, John does a good job overall, so I want to point that out. Um, with that said, the way that I look at it is just kind of this way. Going from 6 to 12 isn't as big of a drop in this particular draft as it is in some ways, but it's still a six-spot change. That's a big drop, in the, especially in the lottery. That's a big-time value drop in terms of what you would uh, put, uh, you know, trade for a deal, all that, all that stuff. It's a big drop. You can get a good player at 12, no question about that. With that said, I think it's that's important to point out that going down six spots in the lottery is a big thing. As such, you would need something that's significantly positive in order to do that kind of trade, it's not just like a sweetener thing where you're moving down a spot and getting something. You're going down six spots. That's that's a lot. So with that out of the way, the rest of the trade is essentially Kevin Herter and 50 for Buddy Heald. I will say this first so there's no confusion at all. Buddy Heald is better than Kevin Herter. I'm not telling you otherwise. Buddy Heald is good. Buddy Heald's a good player. He's better than Kevin Herder. And honestly, Herter may never be as good as Buddy Heald is. Now that I've said that, <laughs> uh, Heald will be 28 before next year. And he's not even started on a deal, and a four-year extension that's worth 22 million a year or so. It is declining, but it's 24.9 this next year, then 22.9, then 19, then back up to 21 in the fourth year, which is 23, 24. So all of that said, you know, I have talked about healed and the contract before on the podcast. I'm not going to do the whole thing now because I've done a mailbag question on that in the past. If you missed it, you, I'm sure you can find it. With that said. Um, I'm hoping to actually actually have some experts from teams talking about some free agents, some of the high-level guys, including one of the Kings guys, talk about um, Heald and Bogdanovich, guys I get asked about a lot. But just uh, in the absence of that for now, as a quick refresher, I think Heald's a good player again. But I think he's at best a neutral value on that contract. I don't think if Buddy Heald was a free agent right now, he would get get that deal. And if he did, I would not think it was a great contract. He's still a good player, but that's four years for a guy who's going to be 28. And, uh, you know, older prime for sure, but someone who... Is a good player, but probably is not a twenty-two million dollar year player in my view. At least in a vacuum, in Atlanta, he might even be worth less than that because the fact that he's not—he's not a great fit with Trey and all that. So, long story short, I wouldn't—I frankly wouldn't trade Herder for Heald straight up right now. Now, that might seem strange to you listening, and I, I get that considering that I just said that Heald is a better player, but Herder is still very cheap on a rookie deal. He's six years younger than Heald, and even if you think that Heald's better than I think he is, and you think that Herder is worse than I think he is, I think Heald for Herder is maybe neutral if you're trying to be kind to the trade because you have to think about contracts and this is the nba it's not baseball where the deals don't matter and the best player just matters more it's all about money you have to you have to think about contract value in a salary cap sport and trading herder for healed straight up which is not it's not it's not the deal here i wouldn't even do that so keep that in mind um and in this deal you have to you're sliding down six spots and throwing a second round pick in, granted it's a bad second round pick, but still a second round pick in as a sweetener to make a deal that I wouldn't make in a vacuum. So having healed for next year certainly would be an upgrade on, her, on Herder. No question about that in my mind. Um, and obviously if you're trying to win next year, that, that does matter to some extent. But it's just worth pointing out that he's not a guy that I am thrilled about paying 20 plus million dollars a year into his 30s, especially when he's kind of a smaller guy, not a great defender, not a great fit with Dre, et cetera, et cetera. So... I hope that all makes sense. But you're essentially taking a six spot hit in a draft in order to make a deal for basically in order to swap Herder for Healed. And I just wouldn't do that even without a pick. So, all told, it's a bad value. I understand where the thought process is coming in because the Hawks have money. And again, I've said this before, I'll say it again now. The Hawks, because the Hawks have the young talent. And the Hawks have all this cap space. They're going to be tied to anyone who could be available either in free agency or trade that is prominent and highly paid. And that makes a lot of sense. Unless you're a pure point guard, basically anybody else that's available is going to be tied to Atlanta in some way. Heald is not a new thing through that lens. And honestly, there probably is a deal out there for the Hawks to trade for Buddy Heald. This is this is just not the one that I would be considering, frankly. Um, and... Uh, it all, comes, all kind of comes down to how the Kings view him. And hopefully, again, I'll have a guest on in the near future to talk about that from a Kings perspective, kind of give some light on all of that and those machinations. So that'll do it for today's podcast. If you have any questions about the trade stuff or anything else, you can find me on Twitter at btroll and follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHawks, as well as we have an, e- an email address for long-form questions. at It's LockedOnHawks at gmail.com. That's LockedOnHawks at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the show. We'll be back again with much, much more this week. If you missed anything from last week, we'll have a jam-packed slate from last week as well. Plenty more to come. The draft is coming, et cetera, et cetera. Great time to jump on board. Again, one more time, please subscribe to the show. We'll see you next time.